Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be the BS stories we tell ourselves. Well, I've got an interesting email here from a guy. He's 40 years old, and he says the only relationship he ever had and the only sexual experience that he had was when he was 29. And here we are. This, the, the woman that he had this sexual experience with was 20 years older than him. And he actually has been living with her for like the last 11 years. Now, they're just platonic friends. But what I, the reason I chose to go through this email is because this guy's got all kinds of stories that he tells himself about why he can't or won't or, or doesn't have the things or the people in his life that he wants. It has a negative impact on his career and what he do, does for a living. It has a negative impact on his finances. It obviously has a negative impact, impact on his personal life. And I wanted to go through and point these things out because – Anybody that's watching this video and some part of your life is not the way you want it to be or you, the circumstances aren't the way you want it to be or the kind of people you want in your life just simply aren't in your life, the reason you don't have your life and circumstances and the people that you want in your life is the stories that you tell yourself. Now, what does that mean? Well, again, I'm going to go through his email and point these things out because when I was younger, I didn't even realize – I mean these are subconscious and conscious stories that we tell ourselves to avoid pain. So I have a quote that I wrote in this topic and then I'm going to go through his email. And so the quote says, the reason why people don't have the life, lifestyle, lovers, career and kind of people in their lives that they really want is because of the stories that they tell themselves about why they can't, don't or won't ever have it. People will do more to avoid pain than they will do to gain pleasure. Therefore, People tend to make up BS stories to prevent themselves from taking any action towards what they really want because of the potential to experience pain due to failure, rejection, or how negatively others may perceive them. Staying stuck in neutral and where they are not happy is made possible because they also make up a BS story that justifies the safety and comfort of how where they are right now is better than taking the potentially painful risk to get to where they want to be in the future. Once you understand this inferior way of thinking, you can then change what you focus on from a mindset of avoiding pain and potential failure to a mindset that focuses on all of the pleasure that you will experience once you succeed and how painful it will be to stay where you are right now and never reach your full potential. That was something that I learned from Tony Robbins when I was like 21, 22 years old. I went through his personal power cities for the very first time. I realized everything that I had done up until that point in my life to sabotage my own success, why I still hadn't graduated college, why there were classes like calculus and some of the physics classes and other classes that I had that I had taken and dropped several times and I could never seem to get through them. What I realized at, at the time, it was, a, it was a big thing for me, it was a paradigm shift for me, was that I associated so much potential pain with failing and not being able to pass these classes that I never really applied myself hard enough to discover if I was smart enough to pass because if I just applied myself and I couldn't do it, then it was like I was a total failure. I never – there was so much pain because I'll never reach my full potential. I'll never get my degree. I'll never get my GC license. I'll never buy, fix, and sell houses. I'll never get to be a builder. I'll never get to have the kind of person I want in my life. It was like all these things I was telling myself and I was so terrified of failure or what other people may or may not think of me that I did nothing. 
when things got a little harder, a little difficult, I just pushed it aside and I came up with all kinds of excuses of why I should do other things or things that just, just shit that got in the way, organizing my sock drawer or whatever the fuck it happened to be. I'd get busy. I would do things but I wasn't very productive because to really put my head down and focus on things that I wanted, which is like passing my calculus class, meant discovering whether or not I was really smart or was a dumbass like my mother used to always tell me and say I was never going to amount to anything. I didn't want to find that out. But once I put my head down and I broke things down in little manageable bite-sized pieces, little daily goals, what math problems must I get done tonight before I go to bed? When I just focused on that, I was totally focused in the present moment, I ended up getting an A in calculus. Just by simple time management and focusing on what I needed to do today. And I graduated and the rest, it's like, that's a muscle I started building when I was in my early 20s. At first, I started out writing that shit down with everything I whether it was exercising or classes or the things I wanted or becoming better with members of the opposite sex, whatever it happened to be. Better being better with money, earning money, I mean, all those things. I would have to write all that stuff down, all the pleasurable consequences of achieving that goal, all the pain of not doing anything to help myself, what I would miss out on 5, 10, 15, 20 years. I wrote all that shit down. And because I did it so much for so many months and so many years when I was in my early 20s, now you know, I'm 45 now, I don't even have to think about it anymore. It's just it's, – it's part of my thought processes. When I want to accomplish something, I automatically think, what's the pain if I don't do that? What am I going to miss out on? How is that going to hurt me? How is that going to hold me back 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? And what's all the positive benefits? What's all the pleasure I'm going to gain by taking the action I know I need to take right now? Even though I'm risking failure – What's all the pleasure that I'll get if I just take action anyways? And I think like this. I started out writing it all down. And if you're new to this way of thinking, I highly recommend that you write that down regarding everything that you want to accomplish. All, you know, take a sheet of paper, write the goal or the objective that you want to accomplish. On the left-hand side, all the pleasurable benefits you're going to gain by taking action and ultimately what it will be like once you achieve it. And then on the right-hand side, Write down all the painful consequences of not achieving it or not becoming that person or not having those things or not going for it. What's all the pain that you're going to experience? And by looking at that, it just becomes naturally more pleasurable to take risks because you look at things from a perspective of all these great things that you're going to get once you get to where you want to be. And then, I mean, because you're going to fail along the way. But every time you fail, you learn something. You learn what doesn't work. And then you adapt and you change your approach and you try something else and you keep moving forward and eventually someday you get there 10, 15, 20 years from now. Maybe it's 30 years. It doesn't really matter. As long as you have a compelling vision and mission for your life and you're moving towards something that you look forward to every day, that you think about every day, that you obsess over every day and you ask yourself, what do I have to get done today before I go to bed in order to get to where I want to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now? Because it requires daily action, five, seven days a week. You've got to be taking action got to move towards what you want. Otherwise, you're going to be one of those sad bastards that's on his deathbed and you go, oh, man, I never took any risks. Every person that's on – most people are on their deathbed. They all say the same thing. I wish I spent more time with friends, family. I wish I'd take more risks. I wish I asked that person out. I wish I'd started that business because when you're on your deathbed, you're out of fucking time. And instead, you'd rather be on your deathbed thinking about all the great ladies that you've gotten to experience, all the great businesses that you've had, all the great friends that you've had, all the wonderful places that you've travel to around the world, all the things you got to enjoy, the great meals, the great food, having kids, whatever it happens to be. <clears throat> so let's go through his email. 
He says, Dear Corey, I'm 40 years old and I come from a family of weak men and dominant mothers. I'm good looking and well built, but I still lack confidence. Well, what is confidence? Confidence is doing what you know how to do and doing it really well. Repetition is the mother of skill. Nobody starts out as an expert or being awesome. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Every single person that you think is awesome or the best at what you'd like to be at someday, at one point in their life, they were a complete beginner and a complete novice and they totally sucked ass. But through time and repetition and refinement of their approach and continually moving towards what they wanted, towards their hopes, their goals, their dreams, they got better. And they developed their skill set and their skills became so good, so awesome, they added so much value to so many people's lives, they achieved success, money, built great businesses, whatever it happens to be. Due to a social phobia and similar inhibitions, here's his, one of his, the first stories that he tells himself. I had my first and only sexual experiences around the age of 29 with a woman who was 20 years my senior. Hey, better late than never. There's plenty of guys out there that are you know, older than you that haven't even had that. He says, I didn't really enjoy our two-year relationship and we've been roommates ever since. So you figure, hey, at least she cared about me and had sex with me and so you just kind of never left because it was easy and it was comfortable. It was mediocre. This is the kind of relationship that most people that you're going to encounter in life, it's like they date the first person that they get serious. That's what I did. My very first serious girlfriend, I married her. It was a great experience. She was a cool chick, but being married and spending my whole life with her, no, I, I shouldn't have been. I, what happened was that the relationship should have run its course and we should have gone our separate ways. But I was too young. I was too fucking weak and I was too inexperienced and there was nobody around that I could ask for it and it, nobody gave me any good advice because most people are in shitty mediocre relationships and shitty mediocre lives. So all they did was give me the story that they tell themselves to stay in their shitty mediocre life and so I did what they did. And therefore, I got the same results. I modeled unsuccessful people. In other words, I was modeling people that didn't have the kind of relationship I really wanted. I modeled people that had the same average mediocre kind of relationship. And therefore, I got the same results. And I still wasn't happy with it. And eventually, the difference was I grew a set of balls and realized it doesn't serve me and it doesn't serve my wife. And I need to get the fuck out of here. It's best for everybody. And I did that. It was the best thing I ever did. Because if I hadn't, I certainly wouldn't be here talking to you fine people. <laughs> he says, I've been living in her apartment for 11 years now since I can't afford one of my own. I can't afford one of my own. No, it's just that you haven't gone out and gotten the kind of job that you needed to get and developed your skills to make the kind of money where you could have your own really cool place. He says, at times, she's like a mother figure, keeping me from an independent life and a new love. It's easy, it's comfortable. If you're not working, if you don't have any money, she takes care of you. She's basically become your mommy. Come on, man, it's time to fucking man up. I work as a freelancer and have almost no private life when I'm working. Last year, I was unemployed for a long time. I took dancing classes and discovered I have great talent. Good for you. What's interesting is you went and took dance classes and you're like, oh, that seems kind of cool. I think I'll go try that out. I was watching a video um, the other day. It was uh, it was an interview of Kyle Bass, and he runs Heyman Heyman Capital Management. They managed I forget how many billions of dollars. This guy made his mark in the subprime crisis of two thousand six, seven, and eight, 
and what guys like that basically do is they spot trends. They just look at things. They're always reading things and they're like, wow. When he really got into the nitty-gritty of the subprime market, he realized that based on the path they were going on because he saw like double-digit appreciation. And I saw that when I was in the business back when I was still in real estate. I mean our average sales price went from $189.9 to $300,000 in six months. So we were still getting the same buyers, but now they were literally priced out of the market. So he was looking at those kinds of numbers going, this is not sustainable. There's going to be a correction. When he looked into the security instruments, how they were packaging up those loans and selling them off, how you know pension and profit sharing you know, plans were buying all these things up. And they, you, know, you had cities. City governments were buying these things over in Sweden and other places and just putting all their money in it because the return was so great. And he saw that it's like you know once the, the the rates started going back up, there was going to be a major correction, and so he went and bought it. And when that started to happen, it's so what he was talking about was how he became this successful multi-billionaire hedge fund trader that you know handles billions and billions of dollars for you know some of the various very most successful wealthy people around the world. And so what was interesting is like when he was growing up, he was going to be a doctor because that's what his mother wanted him to do and he went and did it and so he went to school. He was always good with math and science and so he chose a chemistry major, chemistry pre-med because he's going to be a doctor because this is what his parents told him that he should be. But he really wasn't that crazy about becoming a doctor and so I forget which year it was. I think it was his junior year I think he said. So his junior year, he had to take a non-major elective. In other words, so he had to take a course that was part of his degree that he basically could pick anything he wanted. And so what's interesting is so here he is. He's got this life. He's doing what everybody told him he should do. And he's not really that crazy about it. And so he has the option to take a class in anything that he wants, anything that he's interested in. And so he took this class. He'd always been interested in finance and financial analysis. And so he takes his class and he fucking loved it. Loved it. You should have seen the look on his just – he fucking lit up like a Christmas tree. And this guy, he came from a lower middle class family. So it's not like he was born with a silver, silver spoon in his mouth. He just went one simple class. This really appeals to me and I've always been fascinated and interested in this. So he takes his class. He did better than everybody else in his class and he fucking loved it. So next semester, he switched his major and focused on finance and the things that he loved he had most passion for. Why? Because he loved it. He worked harder at that than anything else that he had been doing. Even though he was good in math and science, he didn't want to become a doctor. So he changed his approach. And it was just interesting listening to him talk like when he went to work for the, the first company that he went to work for. They, they had him – he signed a five-year agreement. He says five years – and so the, the guy asked him in the interview. He's like – he says to him, so why should I hire you? And he's so fucking cocky. He says, because if you don't hire me, I promise you, you will regret it. And he really fucking believed it. Because he loved what he was doing, he loved the analysis he was working on and someday he was going to start his own fund. He just knew it. He had a burning desire to do it and it only came because he was curious, he was interested, he went and took class and he was like, this is fucking better than I could have ever imagined. He knew – he believed in himself. He had a vision. He knew what he wanted to do and so the guy – he so he tells this guy that you'll regret not hiring me 
And he says – and then you know he went to work for, for the guy and I can't remember if it was his first or his second job. But he signed a contract for five years. He says – I'm just telling you up front. Five years from – five years and one day from now, my firm is going to be open and operating. However, by the time I leave, you'll, your firm will be in really great shape, better than it's ever been. And so he ended up only six months before his contract was up. He was he he left. They allowed him to leave because the the firm that he worked for did so well that they basically sold all their assets and they got acquired. And so because the ownership changed, it allowed him to get out of his contract six months early. So he started his firm and in 2006, and then he took advantage of the subprime crisis. And what was interesting when he really, when the numbers really, the shit really started to hit the fan, and everybody's trying to get out of it. Because what's interesting is like when you you hear about people doing short selling or they're they're buying options or puts, and so you're like, how can somebody make money when the market is in the shitter? And it's because when people are losing their money, there's people on the opposite. There has to be there's people on the opposite end of that trade that have bet against certain circumstances. And so when everybody's losing their money, those guys are just – and it just fills up their coffers in a short period of time. And so when the, the shit really started to hit the fan and everybody's trying to sell those, those securities in 2007, 2008, when, that, you know, when the shit started to fan, the crash started happening, he literally – he says that was vindication because they literally made hundreds of millions of dollars just in a day because things went south so fast and he had perfectly you know because he sets his positions up for long term it's not the kind of thing where it's up and down every day literally he's he sets his trades up to happen over the course of a year or two and he puts stops it's very balanced in the way he puts things together the point bringing and why i wanted to share that story is because this guy followed his passion and he just kind of stumbled upon it he went and took a class just because he had interest. He was always really curious about this thing. And he could take a class just for the sheer enjoyment of checking something out that was fascinating and appealing to him. And he went and did it and was better than he expected. And that completely changed his life. He moved in a completely different direction. And that's what this guy's experience in here with going and taking a dance class. He's like, well, you know what? I always wanted to dance. He goes and he, does, and he, has, he discovers he has great talent. He has a passion for it. That's what he should be – those are the kinds of things he should be spending his time in. But because all these stories that he tells himself – I mean look, he's like 11 years he's been living with this chick. He has no privacy. It had a negative impact on his relationships. He's working bullshit jobs and because he doesn't have a passion for these bullshit jobs, he doesn't work very hard at them. And you know, more than likely, he's working just hard enough to not get fired because of the story that he tells himself. He says, I was a really good dancer, confident and popular with women. I met a woman who was 10 plus years my senior and we fell for each other. Despite my inexperience, I was centered. I never acted needy. I appeared confident and she pursued me heavily. You loved dancing. You were in your fucking element. You were doing what you were put on this earth to do. And so it was so easy for you to act naturally awesome. Plus you're, you're living with this woman even though you're not intimate with her anymore. You still have somebody at home to go home to every night. We made out but never had sex. And here's another part of a story. Since I held back and lacked confidence, what could I have done without a place of my own to invite her to? There's a story. Oh, well, I can't take her home because I get this girl that I live with that I had sex with 11 years ago. 
So he says, after four months, I had to go back to work. I pulled out of dancing and I didn't court her anymore and I became her pen pal. So he stopped focusing on his purpose and his mission. He went back, he sh- you know, back to his little box, if you will, and he no longer was the attractive guy that she fell for. Plus, he never tried to seal the deal and eventually she realized he lacked confidence. He says, clueless, I got friend zoned while still receiving sweet text messages, but I took no initiative. I realized my mistakes and eight months after our last dance, I called her to make a date and she seemed happy. One day later, she texted me she was having a bad and failing relationship for almost a year and admitted to being insecure to me. Am I right to feel angry over this? Well, the only person that you should be angry at is the dude that you see in the mirror every day because that's your fuck up. It's not her fault that you're being mediocre. It's not her fault that you gave up on the one thing that sounds like you've done that you really had a passion for, which was dancing. Now, it doesn't mean that you quit your job that's paying your bills and do dancing exclusively. But if you focus relentlessly on becoming the best dancer that you can be, your passion will get you noticed. Just like Kyle Bass. He got noticed because he fucking loved it. And if you're interviewing 10 different people and one guy has that fucking passion like Kyle Bass had, who do you fucking think is going to get hired? Kyle Bass. Be that guy that does what he or she loves. She was afraid a younger man might have hurt her too much, but the truth may be she lost respect. I say what's really happened, she lost respect for you because you didn't have the balls to seal a deal and you never went for it. Plus, you weren't really living your full potential. You're living somebody else's life. Immediately, I fell into a fearful state and vomited my feelings in a letter to her, revealing my insecurities over not being the man. Yeah, that made you look real attractive. He basically said, hey, I'm a little bitch, I'm a little pussy, and but hopefully you'll love me. Because this is what they show in the movies all the time. you got to be vulnerable and basically communicate what a weak bitch you are and to go, oh, I love your insecurities. Oh, I just love it. He's so honest with me. What happens? This is what happens in real life. You get fucking friend zoned for that bullshit that you see in the movies. I know it was a mistake and now I feel tremendous shame and must be the opposite of the man I appeared to be last year. Yep. Good self-diagnosis, by the way. Is there any way to repair some of the damage? Get back into dance class. Doesn't mean you're going to do it full time, but every minute that you're not working your bullshit job, you should be focusing on becoming a better dancer, become a teacher, Maybe eventually you open your own – you start having your own classes at dance studios where you pay a little bit to use the, the place where you have your dance classes at. And eventually when you have enough students, you have enough dance classes, you can you know maybe get a part-time job or you reduce the hours of where you're working at now. I mean you grow it gradually. Maybe it takes you five years. Maybe it takes you ten years to become a full-time dance teacher. Maybe eventually you're on Dancing with the Stars and you're teaching those people and making a shitload of money because you're fucking awesome. All the people that are on that show, they love dance and they're really fucking great at it. They're outstanding at it. That's what happens with time and repetition and doing something you fucking love. You'll never be that good and that successful at something you fucking hate and you don't enjoy. That's just a fact of life because if you don't enjoy it, you're never going to work hard enough at it. She texted me that she'll take some time to write me back. I dreaded receiving her letter. I dread receiving her letter. He says, I guess it's over and she's trying to be polite. Yep. She's trying to be polite. 
if she writes me that we can only be friends, should I still reach out to her and say I can't or won't be friends? Yeah, just say I'm not interested in that. But if you ever change your mind, get in touch with me. That's your response and that's it. Should I let it be, not call and go? Yeah, don't ever call or text you again. You vomited your feelings. You already made yourself look like a pussy and a chump. So what's done is done. You can't take it back. Never call or text her again. I love to pick up the feeling of dancing again, though I realize my tight work schedule won't allow me to. Again, more of your story. Fuck that. Find a way, dude, not a way out. Maybe you need to change jobs. Maybe you need to look for a different job. I yearn to quit my rat race job, but I'm afraid to start anew at the age of 40. It's You're never too old to become the person you might have been. Imagine if you start today and then when, by the time you're 60 years old, how awesome and successful you'll be at dance or whatever else you're interested in. But if you just keep working your bullshit job when you're 60 years old, you're still going to hate your job and you're still going to hate your fucking life and you're not going to be doing something you love. Do you really want to spend the next 20 years not doing what you enjoy? That's definitely something to think about, dude. Becoming a dance teacher would pay less than I earn now. Well, initially, yeah, because you don't have any experience. But when you come – think about it. If you become a really awesome fucking dance teacher and people love taking your classes and you could say your class size is 20 people. Well, once your class size is 20 people and all your classes are sold out, then what do you do? You raise your prices when you're too busy. And think about it. Dance studios are going to be like – Knock, knock, knock. Hey, will you please come teach at my dance school? I'll pay you three times what you're making now. Become awesome at what you love to the point where other people can't take their eyes off of you and you will get noticed. And when you have people loving your classes, then you can go to the other really successful dance studios and say, hey, you need to hire me to come teach some of your classes. Why should I hire you? Because I promise you, you'll regret it someday because I'm fucking awesome and I love this. Demonstrate what you know. They're da- if they're dance dance people themselves, let's let's put some music on and you and I could dance right now. I'll show you how to or you know, let me dance with one of the other people and I'll show you how awesome I am. Let me teach a couple classes for free. Just let me be a guest teacher. And I promise you people will love me teaching the class so much that like when is this guy coming back? But leave me with more freedom and satisfaction, I would hope. It's just time and repetition. You just gotta have a balanced plan, but you need to be dancing. In every moment of your spare time and stop fucking bullshitting yourself into doing nothing. How do I deal with her if we meet in the same dancing course and it's our turn to dance with each other? Dance like nothing ever happened. Don't go out of your way to say hello to her. Dance with other women and if you happen to be dancing with her, it's like, hey, how you been? And when you leave, you can say, hey, call me later. Should I skip her as a dance partner or is that rude and, and deprecating? Uh, I wouldn't skip her. You can't let it show like it bothers you. What do I do when she treats me as just a friend? Should I ever mention her insincerity? It really doesn't matter. I wouldn't date a woman like that anyways. That's not somebody somebody that lies to you and was dating somebody else the whole time. No way. I wouldn't date somebody like that. They can be a great fuck buddy though. He says, right now I can't afford to book a phone session. Maybe I can in a few weeks. I know I need to make changes and find an affordable place of my own. Any help from your side is appreciated. Like I said, the, you know, you got a job that pays the bills for now. Find yourself an affordable home base, even if it's an efficiency. Figure it out, dude. You can decorate an efficiency, cheap apartment, really cool. So when you bring women back, they're like, what a neat place. That's really neat. I really like that statue. That's such a cool picture. These magazines are so fascinating and interesting. 
whatever it happens to be. Create an awesome life and lifestyle for yourself. But get busy doing something you love, dude. It's like you're 40 years old. It's like at what point in your life are you going to actually start fucking living for yourself? Think about it. So if you'd like to get my help personally, the quickest way is to book a paid phone, Skype, or email coaching session with yours truly. You can choose any of those options by going to my website, clicking the products tab at the top of your screen, and just follow the instructions for booking whichever option works best for you. And also, when you click the products tab below the coaching options, there's all kinds of books and self-help products that I recommend that, I've, that I either use myself or books that I've read because I got people who are always asking me, like, what books do I recommend? So go check it out. There's 50-something plus of them on there right now at the time that I've shot this video. And I'm going to continually add more as the future goes on. And I will talk to you soon.